here we are, episode twenty. Episode twenty. The no Gontrip- longer teenagers. No, the Gone Trippin' Podcast. I know. Uh, we've got an exciting show today. Yeah. We have Alan Thompson, mm-hmm. um, who is from uh, Ohio, and yeah. he did a perimeter ride. Uh, you can check out his uh, what he's up to at usperimeterride.org. Right. Uh, but he rode his bike from Ohio back to Ohio, but he just went all the way around the perimeter yeah. of the United States. and a lot of other trips, too. And yeah. We get into a whole bunch yeah, of stuff Lewis with him. Clark, uh, a lot of cool things, get some history, if you like history. Yeah. But uh, before we do that, we got to talk about Solicity. Yeah, Solicity.com. Yes. Solicity.com. Uh, they do redesign and build your your website. Uh, right. Small business. You don't have the time to do it yourself right. or the knowledge. Uh, you usually, like a lot of times, it's like, hey, I got my nephew in the garage. Sure. I'll have him do something. But he's not very reliable. I- exactly. We tried to tell him a week ago to change this picture to that picture, and it yeah. still hasn't been done. Yeah. It and doesn't that, look right. Well, now on top of that, they monitor what your website's doing. Right. Is it functioning properly? Is it up? Uh, is it up? Uh, are you still, you know, being high in the SEO right. rankings? That's big. Um, also hosting, you know. Sure. Uh, hosting out there it's it's everywhere but right. you know everything in one spot rather than having like i host over here i've got this person doing this i got this person doing this right they'll host uh, your one. email server too so you know you're at uh my business you know whatever.com they uh they'll handle all that they'll handle the storage and really and course, a bunch of other stuff of course they'll, the maintenance right and uh you know everybody needs a janitor they'll even do online. digital marketing yeah they got a bunch of people all up in social medias uh to get your name out there yeah and they're just about finished up with our website yeah so we're excited for the redesign and functionality so check that out coming up and yeah. uh, make sure you uh not only check out gontrippinpodcast.com uh but solicity.com and see what they can do for your business mm-hmm All right, welcome to the show, Gone Trippin' Podcast. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. Go ahead, say it. Welcome to the show, Gone Trippin' Podcast. There we go. go. (laughs) Thanks for letting me get that in. Yeah, no worries. So (laughs) make sure we both get equal time here on the podcast. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We've got another great guest today. Yeah. Uh, Excited about it. Um, This one uh, is really interesting. If you're a biking enthusiast, Right. Um, or somebody who uh, likes bikes but just don't yeah. know what to do. And we, we often talk about road tripping in cars, but we yeah. never talk about road tripping on bikes. On bikes, exactly. So and, we had to get an expert. Yes, and this guy is literally road tripping. I mean, he's gotten thousands and thousands of miles yeah. on a bike. <laughs> so let's go ahead and introduce him. Uh, Alan Thompson. Uh, he's a retired teacher uh, in Ohio. A history teacher, correct, Alan? That's correct. Awesome. So you yeah. taught history and social studies uh, junior high level? I did, 7th uh, and 8th grade. Awesome. Uh, interesting age. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh. that's. Uh, <laughs> I remember being um, quite annoying student at that age. So. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Thank I, you on behalf of all of us who've grown up. I still am <laughs> annoying, so. <laughs> so I was only worse at that age. Right, right. But uh, Yeah, same here. So how long did you teach for? I taught for uh, 31 years in a uh, suburban school district here uh, near Toledo. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Very yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Junior high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, before we get to start, uh, too, too deep into uh, what you've done and, and what you're about, yeah. um, we've got to introduce our drink of the day. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so today we have Gatorade Flow. 
Blackberry Wave. It's part of their smooth finish line. And um, yeah, it's super good. Go ahead and bang these oh. together. Let's see if we can get a good. That was horrible. <laughs> it's, it's like we're sword fighting. <laughs> well, we're trying to get as much noise out of plastic bottles as yes, possible. Yes, it's not as good as the glass. No. So this is actually one of my new favorites. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what your mango, mango <laughs> superiority is on this one. Oh, that's pretty tasty. It yeah. really is smooth. Yes, it is all really the way to smooth. The finish. It is. All that's really subtle. Finish. Yes. So. Blackberry Wave Gatorade. You can never go wrong with Gatorade in my yeah. book. I almost got Powerade, but then I was like, gotta go yeah. Gatorade. It's my yeah. <laughs> That's like, I try not to get into those like um, tribal like differences like Coke, Coke Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah. yeah. But Powerade is seriously underneath Gatorade yeah, when it comes no. to I mean, taste and flavor. In a pinch, I'll go with Powerade. But sure. Of course. Gatorade's, of course. Gatorade's the way to go. So yeah, so yeah. that's delicious. Very smooth. Alan, what when especially when you're biking, what is your what is your drink? Do you just go water or do you try to get electrolytes? Oh gosh, uh, definitely water uh, because you're um, perspiring so much and you don't realize it when you're biking because the uh, you know the airflow kind of dries you off. So oh. you really have to keep yourself hydrated. So water definitely, but whenever I was you know, would stop at a convenience store or a gas station, or uh, sometimes I'd, I'd go with uh, orange juice or with a Gatorade or um, nice. sometimes with a diet pop or whatever. Although I didn't need a diet pop, because <laughs> <laughs> um, you need the calories too. But uh, so yeah, just anything to keep yourself hydrated. Yeah, well, and and so you know, listeners can understand why we're having you on the site or on the on the episode <laughs> is you can go actually go check out his site at usperimeterride.org, and the reason is he rode out the perimeter of the United States on a bike on a bike. Yes, Wait, I mean that would bike. be impressive on any vehicle, but a bike yes, especially is. I, yeah. So, uh, and, and he's gone on multiple, uh, bike rides that are, uh, long distance. Uh, he has bicycled on five of the seven continents. Um, and, uh, in 2005, he actually did a reenactment of Lewis and Clark. I went from St. Louis, Missouri to Astoria, Oregon, Ooh. um, and re retraced the steps on his bike. Which I, I I don't know if it would have been a plus or minus for Lewis and Clark to have bikes uh, on that trek or not, but uh, uh, they, man, yeah, it would have been difficult over the prairie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what sure. I was going to say. Yeah. Is without the uh, the road system, biking it, becomes a lot less fun. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, their their road was the river, the rivers. Yeah, right. well, I was going to say, and I know they had to do a lot of ported uh, portaging, and right. those boats, right. it, it had to yep. been over the mountains for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, let's get started first with um, your, because you did, if, if I and if I get the order wrong, you can definitely set me straight. It wouldn't be the first time. So, but uh, 1985, uh, you did your around the world tour, uh, did 10,000 plus miles around the world. And that's where I'm guessing you've done your five out of the seven continents. Is that correct? Yes, right. Yeah, that was I was gone for uh, almost a year and uh, hit uh, all the way across the U.S. and pretty much Europe, um, parts of Africa and, and Asia and uh, uh, kind of skipped over uh, Australia, but did, did bicycle in New Zealand. So 
Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, actually, I had more miles on my perimeter ride than I had on the on the world on the world tours. So I was I was kind of jumping from continent to continent with my bike and riding different portions of it. So I noticed you but, skipped Antarctica. Was that on purpose or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a not a lot of biking in <laughs> Antarctica. I I know sure. uh, Metallica did a a show in Antarctica, so they could be the first band that played a show in all seven continents. So oh, really, any any oh, chance you're gonna? Yeah. Make a make a voyage over to Antarctica just for the <laughs> for the claim just to fame. Bicycle around the uh, the station there, whatever. It's right, exactly. Well, I was gonna say like for the penguins, but yeah. if I understand right, there's no penguins in, in Antarctica. It's, no, right. I don't think so, there's anything like, in Antarctica yeah. except for a couple of <laughs> scientists yeah, wondering how they got roped into it. Some scientists and a research station. Yeah, yeah. All the penguins are up in the nar- Arctic. Up yeah, north, yeah. So, but yeah. No, well, I, so you wouldn't have to worry about sweat, I guess. Yeah. So in '85, <laughs> you had to be like compared to your. I mean, are you on the same bike, or have you upgraded? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely upgraded. Yeah. Okay. Back in 1985. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. I bought a a. Um, it's called a Koga Miata. Um, was the brand name uh, made in, in the Netherlands back in. Um, 2005 specifically for the uh, Lewis and Clark ride. So I use that for my same um, um, ride here on around the perimeter of the United States. So it's a it's a dedicated touring bicycle okay. with all the bells and whistles for uh, for you know traveling distances. And I was also pulling on my uh, U.S. perimeter ride here, pulling a uh, a Bob trailer. Um, which is a little trailer kind of hangs off, hangs off the back. Oh, yeah. wow. So you had and, extra uh, weight. And uh, so that added some weight, but wow. uh, it was uh, kind of an attention getter. People were always curious to see, uh, you know, who I was and where I was going with this tremendously loaded down bicycle and trailer. Yeah, <laughs> so was, that was, that was part of the deal. I was going to say, I saw a little uh, news clip of you um, back from, I believe it was 2005. And this bike was, I mean, he had stuff on the front wheel. Right. He had stuff on the back wheel. I mean, this thing was loaded down. When he says loaded down, it's no joke. You can yeah. really tell it was a bicycle. For the, that was the 2005 trip, you think? Yeah, I believe it was the 2005 trip. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, basically it was the same bike, but now I had a, for this ride, I had a, a trailer added okay. to it. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. That's... So, what were, what were you riding in 1985? Because I just imagine that the tech had, uh, between 1985 and 2005. Oh, right. Uh, had gotten better <laughs> quite by significantly um the bike i w- was riding then was uh it was a miata bicycle um and this bike is a uh was a koga miata it was uh apparently some kind of a, a merger between the oh, okay. uh, company from the netherlands and a company from japan i believe oh, wow. um but now they've now they're just referred to as koga bikes gotcha so i guess that that kind of broke up so somewhere along the line so then biking is that something that you've been doing since you were little or did you pick it up after college or during college well you know uh, back in when i was growing up in the in the 50s uh i think my first bike was maybe a schwinn <laughs> but uh you know it was obviously there were no gears or anything it was yeah just, uh, you know um pretty pretty simple basic bike that we all had back then but uh it was pretty but pretty neat thing but uh as I got into my kind of teenage years, uh, kind of st- started thinking about it, how neat it would be to, to ride my bicycle across the country. And um, 
so my friend and I, we had plans to, you know, to ride our bikes all the way across the country. And of course we scaled that down from, you know, from that to just riding around the neighborhood <laughs> and, uh, or riding out to the outskirts of the city or whatever, but kind of planted the seed, I guess, for, for, uh, for later on. Okay. Um, the, my, my first, <clears throat> first, uh, bicycle tour was a, was a trip to Europe and that was back in, in 1980. And, uh, so I went to my local bike shop and, and told them what I wanted to do. So they kind of outfitted me with the, with the bike and, all, all the gear that I would need. And so that was a, about a three to four week trip in Europe, um, uh, back in 1980, which, uh, kind of, uh, got me going. And, uh, from that point on, it seemed like every summer I was out doing a, a bicycle trip, either individually or sometimes with, with a group of maybe like nine or 10 other cyclists. Okay. And, uh, so that's, that got me going on it. So I'm, I'm guessing mainly you do road biking. You're not a big uh, mountain biker, or have you done some mountain biking with your trips to Europe? Um, I do have I do have uh, a couple of bikes. One is a mountain bike that uh, um, is easy to kind of throw in the back of my car and take with me if I travel somewhere. Okay. By car. Have you ever done um, uh, Moab in Utah? Um, I have been to Moab. Yeah. Okay. And, that's uh, not, not some fun not biking. mountain biking. I bike through there on my, on a road bike. Oh, okay. Uh, I did a trip across Utah okay. back in the nineties and the uh, Moab was, uh, was definitely a stop. And I think I did a, as part of that trip, I think I did a, uh, a whitewater rafting trip up on the green river. Oh, nice. And, um, so that was kind of a little excursion that I did as I was biking, uh, across, across Utah. Great, beautiful state. To, yes. For yes, biking. it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how expensive is like bike touring as far as like a hobby is concerned? Obviously at a certain level, it'll get really expensive, but. Well, um, yeah, it depends on, I mean, you can spend uh, a lot of money on a bike, obviously, <laughs> depending on the materials. The, just to give you an idea the my, uh, Kogami yacht, I think I paid, um, like about twenty two, twenty three hundred $2,300 for that, just for the bike. Wow. <laughs> and, um. I actually had to go down to Lexington, Kentucky to buy it because they didn't, there were only two or three dealers in, in the United States. Now you can't even buy them here in the U.S. Um, but, uh, so that would, and then, you know, the, all the panniers, the, in other words, the saddlebags that, uh, hang off either the front or the back, you know, you can spend, you know, $100, $200, $300 on that. And, um, so you can put a lot of money into obviously the, the equipment, or you can just go with bare bones, basic, you know, like you don't need all that money to, to do a weekend trip. Uh, people, some people, you know, arrive with just a backpack or just a very basic, uh, you know, kind sure. of equipment. Yeah. So it's so like any, any sport, you know, you can go deluxe or you can go, um, you know, economy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm guessing, uh, I got a couple of friends who are big road bikers. Um, and they always have like three different bikes that they have on their wall oh, uh, in their right. apartment or whatever. But, uh, I can imagine, uh, I know we, we talked about this before with mountain bikes being a difference between mm. like a $500, uh, mountain bike and, and a $4,000 mountain bike. Right. It um, makes a difference. Makes a huge difference when you're going up hills and different things. Uh, I don't know if it makes huge difference based on all the gear that you carried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what kind you know of bike what? You yeah, had. <laughs> people talk about weight, and um, I tell you, I, I load so much stuff on there that 
uh, it it really doesn't matter too much how much the bike weighs. I mean, <laughs> my bike um, itself weighed probably about. Of course, it had a lot a lot of gear on it to yeah. begin with. It had the racks and lights and and uh, a double kickstand for you know for the front wheel and the and the and the rear wheel. So that it probably weighed about forty forty two pounds to begin with, which is yeah. not light. Yeah, right. Um, not light at all. I mean, you get some of these, you know, racing bikes that weigh like you know ten, twelve, fifteen pounds. <laughs> that, um, you know, so that it yeah, it doesn't really matter so much when you start loading well, loading stuff on, but you you know you want to try and be somewhat economical about yeah. what you take. Yeah. Sure. So when you when you you were doing these trips, and maybe it's different for each trip. Did you do a lot of camping along the way, or did you like stay in hotels, hotels, uh, stay with people you might know? How did you navigate? I mean, I know the trip uh, around the perimeter for your first, you did, you did it in two parts. Um, and so uh, where you went from uh, Ohio all the way down the eastern United States, south, uh, and got to Portland, Oregon, and then uh, took a train, I believe you told me, uh, all the way to right. uh, Wisconsin, and then finished it off there, and then a few months later went back and finished from Portland to home. Um what what, right. what was your I, that first part was like nine nine months and nine thousand miles <clears throat> when I got to Portland I kinda of thought, well maybe it's time to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so I but I uh I didn't want to take the train train into the city, <laughs> so I, I took the train to Chicago and then biked up into Wisconsin, crossed the lake on a ferry in Lake Michigan and, and then biked down through Michigan back to Ohio and then uh, that uh that summer, I uh, started, or you know, the, during the winter, I started thinking about finishing the ride and completing the circuit. So uh, uh, last so, last June, a year ago, June, I um, um, flew all the way. I flew back out to Portland and kind of picked up where where I left off. Nice. And so that's where I was doing this time last summer. I was uh, about this time last summer. I was making my way through the through the Rocky Mountains. Oh, and, beautiful um, area. So. Uh, yeah, so I I felt like I needed to go out there and, and finish my finish well, and my so, journey. And and so with that, did the circuit. You, that's well, that's a long way away from home. Uh, right. Did you stay in a lot of like motels or did you camp the whole time? Um, you know, I every I had all my I carried my camping gear with me. Okay. Um, and uh, so I uh, different portions of the trip. You know, like when I first left in 2015, it was still summer, so I was doing a lot of camping whenever I could at that time. Um, and as I was doing the southern perimeter, even though you're on this in the southern perimeter, <clears throat> you're in the Gulf states, uh, Texas, um, it was still pretty darn cold <laughs> during those times. <laughs> right. So um, I did use uh, a number of motels, and uh, I would usually approach the motel and tell them what I was doing. I was doing my ride for uh, Save the Children and Habitat for Humanity, and uh, quite a few of them would reduce their rates to help help out in that way and and quite a few motels uh, actually gave me complimentary stays for you know for the purpose for 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 my ride and that was that was very very helpful and um really was thankful to a lot of the hotel uh, owners and uh, managers who who did that i also used um a website called warm showers i'm not sure if you're familiar with that oh yeah yeah i've heard of that absolutely um, but it is a uh, website, especially geared towards cy- touring cyclists, and um, 
you just notify the warm showers uh, hosts, uh, you know, a few days ahead of time or, you know, weeks ahead of time if you can, if you can set it up. And um, they will put you up for a night or two. And um, it's what it, you know, what it says, a warm shower. So usually it means a warm shower and a, and a warm meal, but not always, but uh, sometimes they'll, you know, you camp in their yard or quite often they'll have a spare bedroom. And that was, I used warm showers host quite a bit. And that was a, a great way to meet people along the way and right. to get information about, uh, you know, about cycling in the area. Well, and so camping, up- warm showers host, motels, and friends and relatives along the way. That, cool. that I, um, uh, who were on my route, all of those. Yeah, awesome. I, I can't well, imagine getting 14,000 miles I, without help yeah. from people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and, and that's yeah. where, so like food wise, I, that's one, I mean, that's the number one thing I think is, so what'd you do for food with all that gear you had on your bike? I imagine there might've been some, uh, rations, cast, some cast iron pots on there or yeah. something, but, uh, did you <laughs> no, do a lot no of, uh, drive through, sure. uh, just, uh, kind of a lightweight, uh, cook set carried a, a basically a backpackers MSR um, I think it was a whisper light uh, one burner little burner okay. stove and uh, so yeah and uh, you know you would I would stop and and uh, buy food for the day basically is you know okay. <laughs> so you're, you're always stopping in, in, in either convenience stores or grocery stores to try and find out what what you wanted to eat for the day. And uh, I did have a few things that uh, I would care, it would kind of stay on the bike, and um, you know, like maybe some some rice or pasta or something like that that you can cook up easily. But uh, I did a lot of uh, convenience store, you know, because that was easiest because it's right on, you know, right there on the road. And if I was going to be camping out that night, I would, you know, try and stop at a grocery and pick up some things that I could gotcha. do up in my cook pot or whatever, and. Uh, so uh, eat my share of junk food for sure. Well, I was going to say, I, I can imagine you biking through a <laughs> you know, drive-through in McDonald's store, <laughs> yeah. gas station food, um, which is you know some of it was not so bad, but uh, um, I definitely craved fresh vegetables along the way. Right. <laughs> so nice. I'd stop and pick up a pack of carrots and munch on those whenever, I, wow. uh, whenever I needed to. Wow, a real life Lewis and Clark kind of yeah. Right. <laughs> situation. Well, Lewis and Clark at least had each other. I can't imagine yeah. doing this solo. That's true. That's true. Um, what what is yeah, it? Well, I they, mean, they killed a lot. a lot of their food along the way. I didn't do too much hunting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laws are a little bit different these days, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's fun. Uh, well, and, and so doing this solo, I have I know with the Lewis and Clark one, you you did that with another teacher buddy of yours, correct? Um, no, that was, uh, that was solo. Oh, was uh, it? Lewis and Clark, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I actually met, uh, three ladies, um, that were also, um, following the, the route. And, um, so we got to be friends and we would meet up every so often in campgrounds, kind of played leapfrog along, along the oh, road. Oh, right. And, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, that was kind of neat. They were, uh. Actually, it started off with two ladies, and they added another friend, and it eventually became four ladies. So we we became um, buddies uh, along along the way, and uh, so that was that was kind of neat. Oh, so uh, our our producer is telling us that Lewis and Clark had a bunch of people with them. That's not something I knew. Yeah, they had a huge party. Huh. Um, that that went with them. Huh. Uh, they had, like, that's yeah, the thing you don't have to realize. They had. Uh, um. 
when they first started out, there were probably 40 to 50. And when they left from um, St. Louis um, to begin their, you know, the westward journey into the unknown, they had their permanent party was made up of like 33 individuals. Eventually, that included, of course, uh, Sacagawea, or uh, Sacagawea, as we pronounced out in North Dakota, oh. <laughs> and, um, and her little baby and her her husband. So, um, so yeah, they had about thirty three. It was a, it was a military expedition. So they had, you know, they were young men, young soldiers that were that made up uh, the the bulk of the of the expedition and they had a number of french voyageurs or, or canoe canoe paddlers that uh, um were you know expert river experts on the river and oh. uh, so yeah it was uh, quite quite a, a composition of of young rough and tumble front frontiermen and 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 soldiers and of course the the co-captains uh, mary weather lewis and, and william clark so great, uh, great expedition and great stories to be told along the way there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and one of those whenever I hear Lewis and Clark, and you know, growing up, it was always really interesting. I, you know, I'm from Idaho, uh, and there's a lot of Lewis and Clark uh, knowledge and history of Ooh. them going around uh, up uh, the what is now the Oregon Idaho border uh, and different things, but. One of the, like, to me, it's kind of like a, a story that not a lot of people have heard. Uh, I don't know, you may, might know more about it, but. Uh, uh, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. probably. But they had a member of their company who um, is a lot of people credit being one of the first people to maybe have seen Yellowstone is, um, oh, goodness, John Coulter. John Coulter, that's correct. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, can you maybe share some info about? Expedition. Yeah. Can you maybe share and, some information about John Coulter? Um, yeah, he was uh, um, a member of the expedition, and on the way back, um, as they made the return journey, uh, some of the expedition members were um, allowed to leave uh, a little bit early, or requested permission to. To do that, and I believe Coulter was was one of those, and so he uh, ventured into the um, back out in into the Yellowstone area, and it was probably one of the first Europeans to um, uh, encounter that you know beautiful beautiful territory, and um, he uh, got into a bit of trouble with the with the Blackfeet Indian out there. Yeah, and. You probably, I don't know if you're familiar with that story that he was I, captured I, by the Blackfeet. I, I am. I'd like and, to hear you tell it, though, because I, I, most people don't believe me when I tell it. So <laughs> yeah, that he was captured by the, uh, um, by the Blackfeet. And um, they uh, stripped him down naked, and uh, he uh, was given a head start, and the Indians came after him. And... Um, you know, so he ran and ran and ran barefoot across the, the prairie with all the cactus and um, wow. eventually came to the, uh, I'm not sure if it was the Missouri River, but um, dove into the river. Uh, of course, along the way, I believe one of the natives, one of the uh, uh, Blackfeet um, caught up with him and uh, he pulled up short and 
I believe they charged um, at him you know, and had a threw the guy bit off, of a right? hand-to-hand combat, and uh, I believe he killed the Indian, and then continued his run, and um, and eventually dove into the into the river, dove down into the un, into a beaver lodge, and kind of came up inside the beaver lodge and hid out there while the Indians, you know, when they reached the shore of the the banks of the river, that they couldn't find him, huh. and. Um, then, uh, when it was safe, came out and continued his trek uh, without any clothes to, I think it was possibly Fort Manuel Lisa that, uh, you know, and the, and the soldiers in the fort were just amazed to see this, this naked individual, you know, coming across the prairie. And, uh, so he's, he survived that. Well, the funny part about that is, is like he, he, cause he, uh, I believe it was uh, a fort in Nebraska. And I, I think that might be the one. Uh, you're yeah, yeah, and and they got him back to St. Louis, uh, and he was telling everybody like the, these two different stories. One being all these geysers uh, at the time, mm. these hot water shooting right. out of the earth, uh, everything that's magnificent about Yellowstone. He's telling them about that. All oh, right, they probably never people, seen anything, and like people that weren't before. believing him on that. But <laughs> then he, and he's telling right, a story yeah. about the you know getting chased by the brave, the young Braves. Uh, and basically for practice, <laughs> and right, and yeah. uh, they they totally yeah. believe that one. Uh, and then it was a couple of years later that uh, Kit Carson gets you know a lot of the credit for discovering Yellowstone. Mm. Um, one of the really right. cool things that um, a lot of people don't realize either that is because uh, it's always been kind of a uh, did it happen? You know, a lot of people go back and forth, but uh, in uh, Tatonia, Idaho. Um, which is just just there on the Idaho Wyoming border. Uh, in mm-hmm. I believe it was 1919, a farmer was out getting ready to plant his potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and uh, you know back then it was uh, a different way of how you plowed your fields. He plowing his fields, and a rock popped up, and it was a flat rock that uh, almost looked like a face. Um, but it was inscribed, and in it was uh, John Coulter, uh, 1805 or 1800. Really. Yeah, um, the producer is looking up right now. Heard that uh, story now. Yeah, it's really, a, it's That's a, amazing. Yeah, and, and I believe it's still at a museum there in Eastern Idaho. Huh. Um, no kidding. Wow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's it pretty pretty cool. Uh, wow, pretty cool story. And it's one of those things where like, you know, eighteen oh eight. So it said, yeah, the rock said uh, was inscribed on it, John Coulter, eighteen oh eight. Right. And um, so you know he was in that area, uh, right. and. Um, he spent a lot of time. If, if I remember right, he came back to that area a couple of times after his expedition with Lewis and Clark, and um, right, yeah, and and discovered a lot of that area. But uh, I, I feel like that that story is. I, I'm shocked it hasn't been made into a movie yet. <laughs> right, that sounds like an awesome. <laughs> it would make a good movie. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome scene. I believe he was with uh, originally with another one of the expedition members. I think this was John Potts. Who the Indians, I believe, killed. Yeah, yeah. And Coulter that, was Coulter was able to to get away. Yeah, yeah um, and, and the way. Yeah, I, the Blackfeet were uh, they were not uh, too amenable to having the um, <laughs> uh, Lewis and Clark expedition come through their territory. That was, in fact, that was the only um, actual battle that they had um, along the way was. Um, 
Meriwether Lewis had taken a small group of men a little bit north of the Missouri to explore some new territory, and they camped out with some Blackfeet and woke up in the middle of the night. The Blackfeet were, were stealing their, taking their horses and their rifles, and, and that led to a battle where two of the Blackfeet Indians were, were killed. And uh, Meriwether Lewis took one of their peace medals and left it around the dead Indian's neck just as a kind of a, a warning, I guess, to the to to the other Indians, and they they hopped on their horses at that point and and rad, rode probably a hundred miles miles or so through the night to get back to the Missouri River, and um, so yeah, that was that was uh, that was the only you know violent interaction that they had really with the uh, with any of wow. the uh, over fifty tribes that they encountered along the uh, along the route of, route of their journey. Oh man, this so, is all yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah, well, because <laughs> anytime I've heard about Lewis and Clark, it's it's uh, any depiction of them, it's just been those two dudes. Yeah, and they're like arguing over a map, you know, <laughs> and right. It's always sold as like this. I like they are uh, mapping out the wilderness, like yeah. not interacting with any other humans and whatnot. <laughs> and to find out they're walking yeah. around with forty people and and they're finding all of these other people out there. It's it's a very different telling of history than i remember oh like, yeah learning in school it's very yeah. interesting well yeah well without the uh without the aid of the the native americans along the way they would not have been able to really complete their journey uh right. when they stayed in north dakota that uh winter of 1805 1806 they got a lot of information from the um mandan and hidatsa indians who they were living with that that uh, that very very cold winter and as they moved westward um especially up into the mountains the uh, the Nez Perce Indians were especially helpful hmm. uh to them and um so and when they made it to the coast of course they did a lot of trading with the the Indians uh the Pacific Coast Indians so when you know, really without the aid and guidance and help of the native americans they probably would not have been able to complete complete that journey. Wow, that's um, kind of a. And of course, they in the mountains they met up with uh, Sakakawea's uh, uh, tribe, the Shoshone, and it was from the Shoshone that they got the horses that they needed to cross over the mountains because they obviously couldn't take their their canoes yeah. uh, over over the Rocky Mountains, right. and um, so they got those horses from the from the Indians, and um, yeah, there was just uh, you know just a lot of help and and uh aid from from the native americans of course you know it it was um uh good and bad on both sides obviously because you know they tried to establish friendly relations but it also you know kind of portended what was going to be happening in the future as far as the native americans being dispossessed of their lands and so um Right. A lot of a lot of good and bad, I guess, that goes along with that. Yeah, and th I mean that's a huge theme throughout history of like, yeah, and they wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for the Native Americans, which <laughs> yeah. kind of sucks because then later yeah. this yeah. happened. You know? <laughs> little, little did they know what they were, you know, they were letting letting through their door, I guess. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know the their um their destiny, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah crazy times I'm, yeah. I'm so happy to have somebody on like teaching us about this kind of stuff though because well, i had like this totally wrong idea of lewis and clark well and it's funny because like the john coulter thing i'm just glad that he knows what i was talking about right yeah, yeah. He, he talked to people and right. nobody 
Like, yeah, I, it's a great, it's a great, great story. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and I was, as I mentioned, I re- reenacted uh, another retired teacher, and I did a reenactment uh, program for a, a few years here. And um, so it was. It was always fun to portray. I portrayed William Clark, and my friend was was Mary Riley Lewis. And oh, nice. so we had all the accoutrements and uh, you know the gear, and and um, so it was it was fun to to do that. And you and you learned a lot about uh, the expedition. Of course, riding the trail itself was a great background for being able to portray um, William Clark and Mary Riley Lewis. Well, and when you did the yeah. when you did the trail, I mean. Was it mostly road bike, or were you? Would you go off road as well on that journey? Um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was mostly on the roads. Um, wherever, sometimes there were, you know, uh, paved bike trails, and there was a little bit of, you know, there were some off roads, some some pretty fairly rugged roads. But generally, it was it was, you know, I was following um, the maps that are published by Adventure Cycling. Are you familiar with Adventure Cycling Association? I'm not. No, no, not at all. Um, that's a, a website you might want to check out. Uh, they have mapped out um, oh, thousands of miles of routes for cyclists. Um, there's the um, uh, Bike Centennial Trail. Um, there's the Northern Tier. I was following parts of those on my U.S. perimeter ride. Adventure Cycling used to be called Bike Centennial. And um, <laughs> it, back in... Um, 1976 for the bicentennial of the United States, a group of cyclists got together and decided to organize a ride that went from coast to coast. And uh, quite a few cyclists signed up for this. And that was the beginning of what what became known as Bike Centennial. And they started publishing maps um, for the original Bike Centennial route. And then they just expanded that. There's the Lewis and Clark route. There's the Great Rivers route. There's the Southern Tier and Northern Tier. Um, there's the uh, there's a uh, the East Coast route. So if you go to their website, Adventure Cycling, um, I think it's AdventureCycling.com, yeah. you can get all kinds of maps, all kinds of gear. They sponsor trips um, for you know for for cyclists. So it's a great, great resource for anybody interested in uh, bicycle touring. Yeah, yeah. just it, it's uh, adventurecycling.org. It's the Adventure Cycling Association. I think it's adventurecycling.org. Or yeah, just, yeah. Just Google yeah. Adventure Cycling we just, Association. We just looked it up. And uh, it'll, it'll pop up. Yeah. But, um, they, and they, they publish said, a uh, monthly uh, magazine uh, wow. called Adventure Cycling. And uh, it's a great, great resource for anybody interested in and they do they do expedition rides that you know um, I've done a number of their tours one up in um, uh, through the Rocky Mountains and uh, they do the coast to coast route and then they do event rides too that you know maybe last for a week oh, where the, everything is supported so well, a lot see, of possibilities yeah. for yeah our producer our producer pulled it up for us and it looks like they have over like fifty thousand miles yeah, fifty thousand miles of rides yeah yeah so That's I, pretty I was cool. I was following uh, part of their route as I said right. on my uh, on my perimeter ride <clears throat> on the uh, like when I was on the northern perimeter and the and the southern perimeter right and. Yeah. Uh, as well as the eastern and western perimeters too, so you can you can buy maps for pretty much anywhere you want to bicycle. 
Yeah, yeah. that's a great resource. We were and we were just they're talking great, to they somebody. They are a great resource. Their their yeah. maps are good, especially for cyclists. They show the elevations and um, campgrounds and and um, you know bicycle shops, good places to eat. So very very good resource. Yeah, actually, we were talking to an avid listener of ours, um, yeah. and he said that he wants to do a, a coast-to-coast trip on his 60th birthday. Yeah. So this will be a great oh, resource for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that would be an excellent resource for him, too. And, you know, and you can follow their maps or get off route and um, get back on whatever, you know. It's it's just a good thing to have. Right. So so if somebody did, uh, you know, they were planning on doing a, a long kind of bike route trip, what would be uh, your advice to them? Training wise, I imagine that's yeah, yeah, training and then <laughs> training preparation. Wise, yeah. Um, well, a lot of people ask me, you know, how did you train for that? And I've uh, I've always tried to kind of stay in shape, um, kind of maintain a, a base. And um, if you're doing a long bicycle ride, uh, you know, you're going to get in shape one way or the other. So, I mean, you don't want to go in and into it, you know, without any kind of training whatsoever. Right. But, uh, yes, before my before my ride, I was I was doing a lot of riding, um, some rides, pulling my trailer just to get used to, uh, to that and pulling a little bit of extra weight. But um, when you start out, um, you know, one of the most difficult things is getting your rear end conditioned to the seat for you know long hours. Ooh, that's right. my biggest that's issue. <laughs> and no matter how long you ride, you'll run into those spots where you you know you're just kind of rubbing on a certain spot. And uh, it's important to have a comfortable seat, obviously, and a and a and a, and a good you know a good bike, a good touring bike. Right. And um, but uh, you know yeah, just uh, do your do your conditioning ahead of time. But uh, like I say, for a long ride, um, even if you're not in the best condition, you will you will be there in within a matter of a couple of weeks. <laughs> if you're riding every day, right? Well, well so uh, being from Idaho, one of the and I just to be completely honest, like biking, the seat thing is always the one that kills me. Um, right. Yeah. So when I so when yeah. I ride, I like rarely put my bum on the seat. But uh, <laughs> the bike ride that I've wanted to do in Idaho is the Hiawatha trail. Are you familiar with it? Uh-huh. Uh, did you do that when you did the perimeter? Um, no, where, where does that go from? Um, it's, it's up North. Uh, they're the panhandle of Idaho. Um, oh, okay. And I may have crossed it as I was yeah. heading, heading from West to East. Yep. And it goes West to East. Is it, basically. Is it a North South route or is no, it East West? It's a uh, West to East, uh, west. going to, from basically like Washington state to Montana. Um, and okay. I just actually had, uh, I could have been on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. my buddy, my buddy just did it this last weekend with like, they had a family like reunion type thing and there's like 40 of them, but there is uh-huh. a, uh, a mile and a half, uh, through a mountain tunnel. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. That you ride through, uh, and, and it's pitch black. So you got to have like headlights and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I did I, go through some tunnels. I believe I know, it's, but, uh, I believe it's a uh, um, hundred, hundred miles. I believe it's a whole trail system, so it goes through, and, and it's following the roads. Uh, well, yeah, but I believe it's actually bike trail. it's. I believe it's just bike. Um, they oh, it is. It is a bike trail. Then. Yeah, so an that's the old. I believe okay. it's a, a rail trail. So, a rail, rail trail, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's. I was on a number of those, but I don't think uh, through. I was pretty much on roads as I was heading through. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Idaho into uh, into Montana. Um, I came through Montana 
and went through uh, 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 Glacier Park. Did you go? Did you do uh, the Road to the Sun? Because um, that would be I insane if you bypassed the that. Southern Pass, Marias Pass. Okay. And um, I, and that, that was a debate that I had with myself. I had done going to the Sun Highway on my bicycle. Um, you have back done that in the eighties. Oh goodness! And uh, that was a, a spectacular, spectacular ride. So I knew, so I was debating because I was pulling so much weight. Yeah. Um, and I was debating, okay, I know going to the sun is a, it's a pretty, it's, pretty, uh, it's a climb on a, in climb. a car. It's a climb and, in a uh, car. So I did, <laughs> but my decision was kind of made for me. I inquired at the, uh, um, with the park service there, or someone told me that, that I was coming here. This was like this time of year. And they told me that the pass was still closed. There's yeah, an avalanche or something up there. They just last and, week uh, uh, plowed through to the through that road. Um, this this last week, uh, a friend who um, is a park ranger there, and she just posted on it said they finally were able they to plow just through. It up. Yeah, so yeah, but uh, it's, it's almost so, the yeah, end of June. <laughs> last year, when I went through there, they that someone told me that it was still still closed. So wow. that kind of made the decision for me. That, yeah, and I kind of breathed a sigh of relief. Okay, I don't have to make that. <laughs> yeah, because. Well, I mean, uh, but then when I found out afterward, and I talked to someone, and they said, uh, "Well, I think you probably could have gotten through there. It was close to," and so then I started feeling guilty again. Yeah, <laughs> that I, that I uh, hadn't. Uh, but you know, it was probably a. I don't know. I, I I could have done it. You just take your time and you know get off when you need to. Well, I was going to say the uphill on that. I've bike before, and I know how spectacular. That, that ride is it, it truly is an amazing ride yeah well and, and uphill on that alone would be pretty tough the downhill i feel like you'd have to replace your brakes as soon as you got down to the bottom because you've been <laughs> you're yeah, riding them you're riding them yeah. down the whole way it's that was steep. Uh, when i did that back in the 80s we were going from from west to east so we were doing that climb oh gosh up, you know and I, I remember coming down from logan pass in glacier there yeah and um we had this uh, amazing tailwind. It was like literally like a slingshot that kind of <laughs> shot us down to the Lake Mary's, Lake St. Mary's yeah. side there. And um, that was beautiful. But, uh, yeah, that was that was that was quite a ride, believe me. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and, and that area, whole area, is really pretty. And I'm sure it'd be pretty on a bike, but I think I would be right. winded and but, like uh, too. <laughs> I was kind of glad uh, Mariah's Pass was. It's not quite as high, but it was also beautiful. So I came down into. Um, uh, South Glacier there, I guess it is. And I stayed with a warm showers host. And um, she uh, took me, um, I was going to keep riding, but she said, well, you should take a break. And so I, I took a day off there. And uh, so she drove me up into the Two Medicine Valley area, which I had never been before, which was quite beautiful. So I was kind of glad I, that I did that. That's and um, awesome. so I saw, I saw a, part, a part of the park that I had not seen before. So that was a, that was a, that was a positive. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I was going through some of the notes we had before the before the show, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't find out what the name of your bike was. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> my bike. Uh, uh, I I gave my my bike the name of Floyd, Floyd. and uh, Floyd. Uh, he's the the namesake is Charles Floyd who was um, the only member of the Lewis and Clark expedition to not survive. He died on the outward bound journey in uh, 1804. I think it was August 
20th, around there, 21st, something like that, of 1804. And uh, um, doctors today uh, believe it was a burst appendix that, that killed him. Wow, that would and, have been a um, horrible way to go. He uh, had been sick um, for a couple of weeks, and they tried to, you know, they bled him a number of times, let out the, you know, the medical knowledge of the time was to, to, to bleed people going back to the middle ages, really yeah. to get out, uh, the bad blood of the body. So of <laughs> course that just makes you weaker. And, um, so he, then he seemed to improve a little bit and, but then he took a turn for the worse and, um, became very, very ill and told William Clark one morning, the morning that he died, that, uh, that he wanted uh, wanted Clark to write him a letter because he was going away. And um, so um, Clark uh, said of Floyd that he was, you know, uh, a tremendous individual, very brave young man. And um, so uh, anyway, so I, I decided to give my, my bike the nickname of Floyd. <laughs> wow. And uh, he he lived up to his name, I think, by, uh, by carrying me uh, around the perimeter of the United States. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, our producer just let us know that uh, the expedition actually named Floyd's Bluff in his honor, and it overlooks the Missouri River. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. He's buried uh, in near uh, outside of Sioux City, Iowa, and um, he is. Uh, there's a beautiful obelisk monument there to, to mark his great grave. The poor fellow has been buried like four times. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and uh, when when they buried him the first time, you know, they piled up some rocks and so on. And when the expedition came back, they visited his grave and found that the grave had been disturbed by animals or whatever. So they reburied him. And um, then uh, back, I'm not sure, in the late 1800s or 1900s, they, the, the river was cutting away at the bluff where he was was buried so they right. reburied him again in a safer location i believe and then they finally reburied him again at this beautiful spot that is overlooking the missouri river high up and there's like i say there's a beautiful obelisk i did i visited his uh his grave site as i was heading westward in 2005 on the lewis and clark trail wow, so it's a, definitely worth worth a stop if you ever get out that way that's awesome that's one thing yeah. that I wish uh, I I could be a part of is naming things. Right. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that are out there. Things like everything has a devil. Uh, you oh know, yeah. That era. Devil's watch. Yeah. Devil's tower. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seven devils. Uh, these are all places right. out west. Uh, I can't believe there's a place called Newfoundland. Yeah. I mean, like that, that, to me, yeah. that's like the laziest. <laughs> you better be sure it's the last place you discover. Yeah, right. Seriously. Yeah. Right. You know. Well, my there's favorite a lot on the Lewis and Clark Trail. Um, every city has a kind of a, along the trail or close by to it has some kind of a claim to fame that sure. Lewis and Clark did this there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they slept, Lewis and Clark slept here, <laughs> you, know, or, uh, you know, there's a campground close by and a lot of, uh, um, I did that trip 2005, which was the bicentennial of the Lewis and Clark journey, 1804, 1806. So it was 2004, 2006. So it's kind of right in the middle of that uh, time period. Yeah. So um, there were a lot of uh, visitor centers that had just been opened up and uh, a lot of celebrations along, along the way as well. So it was kind of neat to be doing it at that, at that time. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, no, it's I the the naming thing just gets me every time because uh, I, I spent some time over in eastern Idaho along the Wyoming Idaho border, and you know a lot of people have probably heard of the Grand Tetons. Uh, but those French trappers sure had a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot yeah. of the things are like, they were so flippantly named. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's the big <laughs> right. hill. And then like, everybody just kept calling it that yeah. forever and ever and ever. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, this right. is big town city. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? No, and Lewis sure. and Clark, they left a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, uh, names along the way because they, they would name the rivers that they and creeks and so on. They would name, I believe, after every member of the expedition, um, and um, like uh, one of the tributaries is uh, Mariah's River, which is um, where the I think they had that battle with the Blackfeet Indian was named after I think Meriwether's cousin Mariah back in back in the Virginia I believe, and um, so yeah they left. Uh, there's a Sacagawea's stream or river and uh, just about every member of the expedition had, although they may not be the same names nowadays, but back then they kind of left their their names along the way. That's really cool. (laughs) So that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm still, every time I go out in the wilderness, I I try to figure out, okay, I'm going to name this spot here this. (laughs) Right. Uh, See if it sticks. See if it sticks, you know, (laughs) just throw paint at the wall. And, uh, but yeah, no, that, that would have been, I think the fun part for me. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I'm going to name this place here, uh, whatever I want. So. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying that you wouldn't have enjoyed dying of appendicitis in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) No, no. I'd have passed that on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, Poor Charles Floyd. Yeah. That's awesome. Been a pretty, pretty, rough go for him I'm sure. yeah for sure rest in peace floyd well so with with your work with habitat for humanity and um save the children uh with your perimeter your perimeter ride uh it took you nine months to do uh, all the way to portland um and then what how long did it take for you to when you went back to portland to finish and it was about uh, three months from portland back to the uh wow um back to toledo here okay, so basically so a full year. not so, quite not quite three months i don't think okay so almost but, a uh, year and how much money right. did you end up raising for those charities? Because I think this is pretty phenomenal, pretty um, awesome. I was able to raise through my website, usperimeterride.org, um, about $32,000 for wow. um, both Save the Children and Habitat combined. And um, my website uh, links to my two fundraising websites, which are still up and running, by the way. Oh, awesome. So if people are, you know, interested and would like to visit the website and uh, they could still donate uh, to uh, both Save the Children and uh, Habitat for Humanity. I um, should note that uh, um, the executive director of uh, Save the Children was just on um, ABC's uh, This Morning with George Stephanopoulos over the weekend here on Sunday morning. Okay. And she was talking about the um, a uh, desperate situation of the you know immigrant children down mm, on, yeah. the, on the uh, on oh, the southern border, border sure, yeah. and the separation and so on. And um, she was you know talking about that as well as around the world where you know Save the Children works in a couple hundred different countries um, working with children and um, things with you know like um, basic survival, uh, childhood education, um, food, water. 
um, inf- infant mortality, things like that. And um, so they um, do so much, uh, you know, around the world. And, and Habitat, of course, is is building homes um, also around the world throughout the United States. And so the two charities together, I figured, were two excellent charities that kind of complemented each other. Absolutely. Because, you know, I did an, a number of TV interviews, and I always say, you know, what, what really what's more important than trying to help kids and provide, you know, basic homes for, you know, good, decent dwellings for, for people, that, and the two kind of go hand in hand. So, for sure, for sure. so anyway, so I raised like uh, a little over $32,000, and it was kind of interesting. Um, when I got back from the first part of my journey, that nine-month stint, um, I was contacted by um, uh, one of the, one of our local banks here in Toledo, and she told me that I um, someone had you know seen my story, and they wanted to remain anonymous, but they had made a like a nine thousand dollar donation. Oh, wow. I think oh. probably for the nine thousand miles that I rode. That's awesome. And um, however, it wasn't reflected on my on my. Um, Save the Children fundraising website, so I wasn't aware of it. Oh, so really? I contacted Save the Children and my contact person there, and they looked into it and they said, "Yes, someone had made a nine thousand dollar donation um, for your ride," and so they were then able to credit that to my fundraising website. So That's awesome. that was a pretty pretty neat thing that yeah. that uh, came about because of that. But the, as I said, the the grand total was like a little over $32,000 now for, for the two charities. That is awesome. Well, we make sure we put the, in our, in the links yeah, we'll on our links. site so that people can go yeah, and that, uh, if they'd yeah, like to that donate. Would be, that would be wonderful if you, you could do that. Of yeah, course. Of course. For sure. Well, Alan, we appreciate yeah. it very much. This has the, been awesome. time. Um, yeah, it's been yeah. fun talking to you guys. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, away with so much knowledge. I know <laughs> that's, that's the fun part is we got to hear some bicycle knowledge, got to hear some history knowledge, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I love history. Right. Uh, and so where else can you get both at one at the same time? Yeah, no, for <laughs> yeah. Reals, so yeah, well, it kind of makes me want to uh, go tripping again. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, well, that's, that's our whole that's deal our whole here. Theme. So hopefully we, you inspired some others as they listen to this. That, yes. Uh, that, yeah, uh, bicycle travel is a great way to uh, to see the country, and meet people, and um, and obviously the you know just uh, keeps you in good shape as well. So yeah. there's a lot of benefits from Absolutely. from bicycle travel, bicycle touring. Awesome. Yeah. And if uh, you are doing another big trip, uh, definitely let us know. Yeah, we can uh, announce sure. it. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, follow sure. you along. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, and uh, okay. we will. It's been a pleasure. We'll definitely be keeping in contact, and yeah. uh, thank you so much. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So here we are. That was a, a fun interview with Alan. Thompson. Yeah. I, I, I between this episode and the previous episode, I feel like I have almost. A uh, history degree. Yeah, right. I'm almost there. Well, and, and it's <laughs> funny because uh, he definitely uh, reminds me of, of a history teacher that I had, and um, yeah, right. I, I think I, I think been, all of us. Yeah, I think he would have been fun to have as a history teacher because he, I mean, he had all the, has all this knowledge, right? Because some, you know, there's some there's some teachers you've had where you're like, oh, they're just phoning phoning in, sure, straight out of the history book, but right. like he actually 
Yeah. And, and same with John uh, from our last right. episode. Because most of the they, time we're telling... They're actually doing the reenactments. They're actually doing it. Like, right. That means they have a passion for it. Right. They're living it. Mm-hmm. And like for the listeners, um, we don't we don't like prepare uh, our guests very well at all, really. I mean, we tell them like we're going to be talking to them. Like I think we told Alan we were going to talk to him about the bike thing and John about the reenactment stuff. Yeah. But... Then we just start asking questions about history, and if they know it, then we oh. then we love it. And these guys, I mean, without any kind of like, we didn't tell them there's going to be a quiz today, <laughs> and these no. guys came in prepared to explain everything that was going on. Well, and I was I was worried as you probably listened to me as I was trying to get to the John Coulter thing, right? Uh, yeah, that's I obscure. Was gonna, I was going to sound really stupid. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then he's like, oh, yeah, John Coulter. I was like, yes. <laughs> everybody else I talked to is like, never heard of John Coulter. And that's a uh, crazy story. story. I know. And it's, and like you read about it, uh, you can find some books when you're in the Yellowstone um, and you're at the visitor center and mm. they have some books you can buy and stuff about John Coulter. There's a lot of stuff online. But there's like a lot of unknown stuff. Sure. But there's also a lot of like the legend of John Coulter and um, the, uh, the the rock that was found that he didn't know about right in idaho probably yeah. only know about it because i'm was living over there right. <laughs> like um they have like in a museum i believe that is still uh in eastern idaho i believe it's in a museum a museum that um the rock is but uh it's just it's just one of those things where one i still can't believe there's not a movie made from it right and i was thinking about that during the break after we uh said goodbye to alan I want a um, Disney slash Pixar movie done about this, right? And you're like, wait, how could they do this movie, right? Uh, yeah. With the the themes that's going on. But I want it told from the beaver's point of view. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. you know, set the uh, scene. Beavers are at the dinner table. You know, they're about to eat. And so then this crazy guy John, showed up at my yeah, house. Yeah, he just busts through the bottom, right? <laughs> and it's like record scratch. Yeah. And it goes like to the teenage beaver right yeah. it's like i bet you're wondering how i got here you yeah know? <laughs> somebody who watches too much rick and morty um, no well i want just too much tv in general. i just can't believe they made dances with wolves which was a great movie great movie um and then but, they made it again and yeah. well and then they called it avatar yeah exactly right <laughs> but they didn't make this one like that is you know I agree. I'm very surprised. Yeah. After hearing the story, I'm surprised I haven't seen that as a movie yet. Yeah. Because um, it has everything. It has it, like... Well, The the Revenant's probably the closest thing that you're going to get. And it, The Revenant was really successful. True. So, you know, you can take your Hollywood liberties and enhance the story. Right. But it doesn't need a whole lot, like, without enhancing it too much, you can make a pretty dang Yeah, that's what I was saying. It. it has, like, all the kind of normal elements. I mean, yeah. you have, like, the, okay, we're going on this uh, fun adventure. Then you yeah. have, like, the turn, which is, like, getting captured. Well, and, and, and that's what they were doing. And they actually had, they actually had, um, were taking notes and basically writing history, uh, or not history, but writing, like, maps of, right. of Yellowstone and, and these different things when they were met in their canoe sure. by the Blackfeet Indians. And uh, his, he had a friend with him who got shot in the uh, by an arrow. Mm-hmm. And so they came to shore, and that's when they were captured, stripped naked, hung up uh, uh, in the village. And then, you know, they cut down his friend who was bleeding out and just killed him right there in front of him and told him to run off. Yeah. And and so he, all this is crazy stuff that you're like, you know, now we're like, oh, yeah, it's like a John Wayne Western. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like th- th- this supposedly happened. But then he has all this stuff to kind of back it up. And even back then, it was funny that they actually believed that part. But they didn't believe the Yellowstone part. Right. Like, like there's no such thing like these beautiful pools, um, colored pools. And if you haven't been to Yellowstone, 
it's like you could understand why they would have a hard time believing sure. things that you see there. Um, right. But, I mean, uh, they're all a bunch of basically Europeans. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they well, haven't seen and, anything and like that. There's nowhere else in the world like Yellowstone. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, Not that I know of, at least. So I was, I was super, super excited to find out that he actually knew what I was talking about with John Coulter. And the Coulter Stone is in uh, the Teton Valley Museum. And wow. that area is awesome hilariously awesome well it's it's beautiful (laughs) yeah hilariously awesome but like you have these mountains huge mountains and it's like mountain prairie and so uh just very picturesque um up there in the teton valley uh tetonia driggs victor if you're ever in victor idaho or driggs idaho or tetonia idaho or even jackson uh wyoming Mm. which is just over the mountain pass there you need to go into victor to the victor emporium in downtown Victor. And when I say downtown Victor, it's like <laughs> you have the highway that goes through all these towns. Right. Uh, that's downtown Victor. Sure. Um, and, uh, but they have the Victor Emporium and you walk in, it has all sorts of knickknacks and stuff. In the very back, they have the old style soda jerk uh, deal. Soda jerk? Is it like a soda and a jerky? No. So uh, back in the day, before they had like full on fountain drinks that you just go and fill up your drink. Sure. It was actually soda water mixed with syrup. And that person was a soda jerk. Oh. <laughs> so he would make soda, and it was a soda jerk. So, okay. Th- so, yeah, in the 50s. Sure. Okay. Uh, 40s, 50s, you had soda jerks. <laughs> so this is like being told about, like, yeah, and they used to they used to fill up your car when you went yeah, to the gas station. You didn't yeah, have to get out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. There was a man who made the soda. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, fountain drinks are from these fountains that you literally would mix in your soda water wow that's cool. with syrup to make your dr pepper or whatever um and wow. so i can't imagine making soda like people make coffee <laughs> I, like you know what that's why it tastes better like if you ever get a shirley temple it tastes better right because they mix it um, just then just a cherry seven up yeah so um but yeah the uh but yeah so back in the corner they have this and and they make amazing milkshakes like one of my Ooh. favorites like I'm, my mouth is watering just now because <laughs> i'm talking about it but they have a huckleberry fresh huckleberry that they go pick out in the mountains up there uh, milkshake that's really good but the, my favorite is the muddy river milkshake which is chunky peanut butter and hot fudge <laughs> and it is amazing that sounds like Plus a red they favorite you a, they give you a straw that's like size of a, a quarter oh nice so you don't get anything stuck oh I hate, like, oh totally like, to totally get a, get a get one and they give you they like give a little you... straw and you're like okay it's got oreo in it how am i going to get the oreo up my straw the worst is when they <laughs> give you those stupid spoon and straw contraptions like yeah it's the worst of both worlds it's a flimsy spoon and it's a uh, you're talking about like a snow cone like, yeah, yeah yeah but like they'll straws. give it for like milkshakes so it's like it's still too small to yeah, bring in the milkshake it, stuff and, and then you, you got this enough, like you can't get enough on your spoon right it's a tiny spoon <laughs> And uh, the worst is that then you have this disgusting spoon handle yeah. that is like covered in milkshake that and, you're and saliva. It's like, yeah, why don't I just it's, do it with my hands? It <laughs> does not compare to the spork. Like the oh, spork yeah. is actual makes sense. Right. The spoon straw that you're talking about. Right. Is not, no, it does not make yeah, sense. So uh, especially for milkshakes. Right. Uh, I can see it for maybe like a regular drink. Sure. Or ice, uh, shaved ice. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Yeah, something like that where it's but not like inherently where, sticky and yeah, like there's and clog issues. Full liquid. Right. But like, yeah. I, I always, yeah. I love Oreo milkshakes. Me too. That's my favorite milkshake. Cup, okay. And it's like, right. And it's like, uh, how am I supposed to get this up? And you're like, 
Yeah. Oh gosh. Right. And like you're sitting there hurting your your cheeks hurt because you're oh, sucking absolutely. up so hard. Yeah. Your brain is like, uh, no, we need yeah. oxygen, not just cookie bits. Well, whenever I go, I'm just like, I don't need a lid. Just right. give me a spoon. Right. And they're Why like, look you? at me like I'm weird because I'm saying I don't want your lid or your little tiny straw. Right. Uh, and just give me a spoon. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, we don't need to involve all these other utensils. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Victor Emporium and Victor, Idaho. You also can catch a, a movie at the Spud Movie Theater. It's a drive-in movie theater in Driggs. Huh. And they're like five minutes apart, <laughs> maybe maybe right. ten. But it's on the, the same full stretch of road. length of the town. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's a mountain, like like mountain prairie with these villages and the mountain in the background. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that area. Um, but uh, yeah, catch a movie at the Spud Drive-In yeah. and uh, get yourself a, a milkshake from the Victor Emporium. Yeah, speaking of mountains, actually, uh, this this weekend did a bunch of driving um, to and from Baltimore. Oh yeah, and honestly, like having mountains like be a part of any kind of like long commute. And I say long, knowing it's only an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, but that's longer than just getting in the car at least. Yeah. Um, having the mountains a part of that trip, like that made it so much better. Just like oh, being yeah. able to look at the mountains, Everybody having something to out look west at. is laughing at you right now. They're <laughs> driven out here, <laughs> right on the eastern side of the, the country. They have to avoid mountains. Well, yeah, because they're like those aren't mountains; they're called hills. And, right, uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, true. They are they're beautiful in their own right. Right, but like, I guess it's more like a ridge. Y- yeah, yeah, you get but I, I you get out there and you because they're covered in forest. The Grand Tetons in the background. And it's just giant, giant mountains that uh, that are straight up like fourteen thousand feet in the air, right? Right, twelve thousand feet in the air. It's crazy. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so, like, that was the hardest thing for me when I, I came out here. And like you said, like, it's really pretty. It's just a different type of mountain range, right? A hill range, sure. And there's hill so range. much trees. And uh, we, uh, yeah, the whole thing is covered in life. We were going to Western PA, go camping last fall, and like, it's our first time really exploring. And, uh, we, we came up over this ridge and it was like, you know, on top of the freeway or on top of the, uh, the summit and mm. it's like summit and it was like <laughs> 1,469 feet. And we're like, that's not a summit because like a summit back home is 10,000 plus. You know, like, it's relative to the area around it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, uh, that's funny. Yeah. But right. it's, it's, it's amazing. Right. Cause I'm from, I mean, I'm from sea level, Yeah, sometimes <laughs> lower than sea level, like my parents' house, the area can't have basements. Yeah. You know, that's exactly. how sea level it is. is. Yeah. So, and that's got to be surprising for people back, back home for you. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't have basements because uh, it's just too hard. To, to oh dig, yeah. Just to, rock. To, to, yeah. To dig a basement. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my, that's it, the house that I'm staying in now. It's yeah. like, uh, built on a stone slab. So no basement there. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, what's popular out here because it's very hilly mm. around here. Uh, is the walkout basement. Oh, I it's love very, those. Those are popular. so cool. That's what we have. And it's very popular out here. Uh, everybody has a walkout basement, not just a straight up, you know, basement. Yeah. Um, which is, which is kind of nice. Yeah. But, uh, walkout cool, basement. Yeah, exactly. You still can like walk out. And right. So, you're not stuck. The ones that are crazy is for me, cause I don't, I don't remember, I don't know if I've ever actually seen one until I came out here was the cellar doors. Like the oh cellar doors yeah. Like, see from, like wizard of Oz or whatever. When, uh, 
they're hiding from uh, the tornadoes. Right. It's like, get in the cellar. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen a lot of those out here, and I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, and they're, like, struggling to hold them down. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We, uh, when EJ and I were um, looking at houses when we first moved to the area, there was definitely one that had the cellar door thing. Yeah. And the whole, like, staircase area, it was just, like, nothing but cobwebs and spiders. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I would never use these. Yeah. So, of course, they're covered in spider webs and stuff. This would suck. <laughs> That's 100% if we had these. Oh, yeah. I would never use these doors. <laughs> I always, I remember back when, like, you see them, I'm like, that'd be cool to have. But, like, right. I've been in a couple, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of creepy. Right. But, uh, but yeah. Definitely the, one of those things. The uh, So, Lewis and Clark um, reminds me of, I, I wanted to bring it up, but I don't think that... Uh, Alan has seen this movie or heard of this movie, but it was Chris Farley's last movie. Oh, almost heroes. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, uh Chris Farley, Matthew Perry from friends. Mm. Um, and the two of them, oh, yeah, I forgot that he was in that movie. Yeah. I always think of Chris Farley and David Spade. Have you seen the movie then? I, I, I've, if you have, I mean, I own it and you can borrow it. It's one of my favorites. I'm, uh, I'm relatively, like, unfortunately with Chris Farley, like, I, I watched so many of his movies at the same time that they, I constantly get them mixed yeah, up. Yeah, like, well, Black Sheep and Black Tommy Sheep, Boy are yeah, very Tommy Boy. easy to get mixed up because they came around the same time. Right. Um, this one was, like, he actually died uh, during the making of the movie, but they had oh, enough yeah. to finish it. Um, and so it didn't even, I don't, like, we didn't watch it in theaters. We just got it. My brother and I are, like, home alone and we had went to Blockbuster. Right. For those who don't know, you see all the rent movies, not like Redbox. You actually go to a whole movie like yeah. VHS store. Yeah, um, they had somebody sitting behind the counter. Yeah. So we rented the VHS um, <laughs> and didn't know anything about it. So I don't even know if it made it into theaters or not. Um, if it did, it was probably very low uh, in the number of theaters it went to. But yeah, we watched it and it was hilarious. But it was about Matthew Perry, uh, Chris Farley, and they... Um, uh, Matthew Perry is in the political scene and he wants to be known in for, uh, throughout history. So he decides to commission his own group to race Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and so he hires, uh, 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 Bartholomew oh, I, Hunt. I totally have Chris seen this Farley. movie. Yes. And, uh, and it's got, uh, <clears throat> Uh, uh, Levy, Gene Levy in it uh, mm-hmm. as a French trapper uh, named Guy Fontenot, which is hilarious, <laughs> uh, super hilarious. Anyway, one of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But they'd race Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest, and they have all these different things that go on, super weird stuff. <laughs> they like, it's funny Classic. because you know how big the Western United States is, mm-hmm. but they have like multiple encounters <laughs> with Lewis and Clark and what's funny about it was like there's no trail <laughs> Lewis and Clark like are like created this trail right so how did you I, yeah, possibly run into them all the time happened to go the same route <laughs> <laughs> and would right. run across each other all the time like oh we're beating you you know yeah and then something crazy would happen and sure they'd be delayed yeah but yeah. uh um yeah the, the yeah so that that's that's one movie I've seen that references Lewis and Clark the uh yeah apparently i mean ej was putting up on the screen here yeah. there's like a bunch of movies and stuff and apparently an hbo miniseries possibly coming out this year about lewis and clark but i feel like whenever i see anything about lewis and clark unless it's like a straight up documentary yeah. where it's for like what used to be the history channel for those of you who don't know the history channel used to have history on it 
Um, oh, yeah. Now it just says Pawn Stars. It's, I hate when they do <laughs> oh that. Like, it's MTV awful. did it's it. really bad. VH1 did it. It's really bad. And now, like, I loved the History Channel. I, I mean, love the History Channel. It's but crazy. Now it's like Pawn Even, Stars, which, just so you know, came across the wire, like, minutes ago, that uh, Pawn Stars, the, the old man, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but he passed away today. Oh, he did? Seven. Yeah. Oh, man. Um Wow, but, I'm uh, super glad I didn't go on my Pawn Stars right yeah, now. Yeah, but well, I will. <laughs> I mean, I, I I feel bad for him, but not actually Pawn Stars rant. I'll just say the Amer- uh, American Pickers. They they just went it's into crazy. like full on reality, and it's like yeah. I went to you to see, you know, about the War of 1812 and about uh, right. Even um even Animal Planet did that. Like yeah, for a long time it was about like just animals, and then it was like okay, like the Dog Whisperer, bunch and of sellouts. Like, yeah, a bunch of like other stuff, and it's <laughs> like okay, well this is about humans interacting with animals like as interesting as that is it can't be your whole program yeah then don't call yeah. it animal planet well and they're a lot better now though are they yeah well, i haven't i haven't uh they lost me yeah, a long pro- time ago the problem they do with history is like they would still like you know fourth of july is coming up so they'll probably have a bunch of specials like two hour special things and right. stuff but then everything else is just like straight up reruns of american pickers yeah reruns it's really crazy St- straight up reruns of everything i mean i'm sure there's a bunch of like really smart guys sitting around a table looking at numbers and picking out the shows but i don't know man there, there was a show that Change they had name, at least on the history channel that was seriously like one of my favorite shows and they they i don't know why they didn't keep this one because it was actually interesting but it was how the states got their shapes Did, oh, have you guys ever seen that no oh my goodness that'd be really interesting it is such a good show especially such like ones like show like kansas and stuff like that i'm sure it's just like eh, and there you go yeah like. well, and it was it was super quick uh where we go about and talk about okay this is why it was shaped this way and like tennessee and georgia uh, right it's a fight over water which was funny because it's all a lot of it's about the same stuff like fight over water rights and different things sure um uh but yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, the gold. Mississippi <laughs> Mississippi River like dictates a lot of the state borders. Yeah, I know that exactly. That's true. The uh, the uh, one of my favorites, you know, back home is uh, if you ever look at Montana and Idaho, like there's like a little armpit created by Montana that sits in Idaho's armpit, mm. and then it goes up into a skinny um, panhandle. And at one time, it was like Idaho was going to have that same shape, but square off and take like half of Montana. Oh, but what happened was like, there was gold in the mountains and <laughs> Montana was still going to be like a territory. And so they're like, we're going to carve out this area here. And that's why the shape of the state is they're call it carving out like all the big gold. Oh, uh, so the, the government could keep it. Those but, greedy people. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So yeah, but that, um, HBO miniseries would be interesting because yeah. Lewis and Clark, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I mean, I couldn't imagine going out and I, I didn't realize their party was so huge. Right. That's what I was going to say earlier. Is like, I would be a lot more comfortable having that big of a party to go out and do right. it, but it still would be like, I mean, their shoes were primitive. Like you can't even imagine like yeah. you were talking about uh, last, uh, last week with John and reenactments and not having toilets and stuff. Oh yeah. Like, you wouldn't survive, man. I like, know. There was no such thing as like, it's not like you can pull off a no, I don't, gas station and go potty. I would say like 95% of... And yes, I um, said potty. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Madsen. Yeah, I got kids. <laughs> um, uh, like, 
I, I would say like 95% of people nowadays would not survive on this trip because I mean, oh. just like the little things we take for granted, like, like AC and stuff like that. Like there's at no point do you get to escape from the heat. Oh yeah. You're always outside. There's a shade of a, a tree maybe. Right. You know, if there's no breeze, the, you're the not getting anything. River. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine at all what that must've been like. Not showering. And I can't believe day. they didn't lose more people <laughs> than just the one guy. I know. That's what's crazy. I, I it was surprising that there's only one that died. Right. Um, um, well, I guess two with John uh, Coulter. Yeah, John Coulter's friend. Yeah, yeah, and but they were they were they left the expedition. So the actual expedition. Oh, 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 right, right, was, right. Was uh, only one, and he died of like, yeah. nothing to do with the actual expedition. It was everything to do with right. one of his organs failing. I mean, which, it, yeah, that happens nowadays, and there's a pretty good shot you're you're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Unless so, you're in the right spot, if you can get to the hospital quickly enough. Exactly, and so it's just one of those things that's really interesting. Uh, that you and I were watching a comedy special on Netflix mm. um, just the other day. Yeah, that was uh, Happy Face with yeah. uh, Ryan Hamilton. Right, and one of the things he talked about, like New Yorkers, yeah, uh, wouldn't be able to. Like, yeah. I, I've survived here. I can survive anywhere. Right. And he talked about you know being from a small town in Idaho with like a thousand people. He's right. like, you wouldn't make it there. Like, <laughs> like, go right. look for gluten free cupcakes, and we found his body three days later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, but like uh, a wolves. Yeah, but, like I think a lot of people like would think like, oh yeah, I could survive. I'm like, right. That's where like naked and afraid. Um, sure, that show is really interesting. Absolutely. Um, not practical, but no. interesting. Um, and uh, you wonder how much behind the scenes like. Cause I just imagine like, no, they're not spending 30 some days right. naked, just sitting there and not, like, <laughs> being watched. You know, sure. there's sometimes where they're like, Oh, and, I died. Like, and it's like, Whoa, this is exactly what people, you know, back then used to live like. And it's like, yeah, but they also grew up in it. So it's like, yeah. they had like a good 20 years of getting used they to They were really good at building little huts. Yeah. And, and their feet they had were to, they totally had to, calloused on the yeah, bottoms. They, they like, they, they were raised. This is how you got to live. And right. so they're able to do it. But, uh, yeah, it's not like it's not like you're gonna go out and like build yourself a hut tomorrow. Right. Have you ever nowhere. seen the that YouTube series, uh, Primitive Technology? Yeah, it's like about a guy basically like going out and yeah. he buys like just little acres of land, you know, here and there. I think the he did a lot of the series in Virginia because it had the clay. Yeah, and he would just make little like he makes a little hut and then he makes like a kiln and then he like which probably food. still didn't meet code so right no definitely <laughs> once, not once the government came in he <laughs> but uh could you imagine if they had that back in the day oh like, right oh uh, uh, yeah your uh your cabin here isn't up to code yeah so you're i don't think a homeowners <laughs> association would have lasted existed. very long yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> the times we live i know i was uh, when uh when spring just had first happened here um and like both of our lawns got like you know three feet in three days because it was like snow 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 and then rain and 80 degrees it was like perfect for grass yeah i was basically like finding out if i had an hoa like because i was like am i gonna get a fine in the the mail because i can't i was trying to desperately find a lawn guy (laughs) when we we were when we were looking here like i was like one of the main things i told my wife like no hoas yeah no yeah craziness uh, it's it's yeah because they basically they, they get to make whatever rules they, they want they're they're not far off from the mafia as far as <laughs> yeah they can find you for whatever they want yeah and make the rules and you're like i i pay a mortgage right that tells me i own this property i should be able to do like pretty much anything right. i want on my property like, within like law hey there neighbor <laughs> uh looks like your fence isn't the same color as everybody else It'd be oh. a shame if something happened to it oh <laughs> man i i remember back when i was in high school that uh 
like maybe ninth grade, 10th grade. And I went to a city council meeting as part of a thing I was doing. And we had to go to a city council meeting and participate. So I went to the city council meeting and there's like this historic street has all these really nice, like million dollar homes. Mm. Right. Um, and they're all built in the early 1900s in downtown Boise. Sure. And, uh, a family, heaven's sake, a family <laughs> bought one of the houses and had kids that were, you know, kindergarten age and they wanted a swing set. So they went and got this swing set and it had a yellow tube slide. <laughs> oh no. And you could see the yellow tube slide over the fence, like from the street. Sure. And so they were the, the HOA was going after <laughs> this family for having this wood structure with a yellow slide right. because the yellow slide was an eyesore and it went to the city council and I was like, I was like 10th grade. I was ticked. Are you kidding me? And luckily the city council like, was like, no, it's oh, okay. Good. Like you can't, you can't hold this up. Like, right. That's ridiculous. Like, and, and like, you know, so history, you know, we, t- we, we talk about the civil war, you know, last episode, uh, with John, um, and it's so hard to determine like who's the good guys and who's the yeah. bad guys. Cause everybody has their own, like, you know, they're protecting their family and yeah. stuff like that. But if you're going after a kid's slide, yeah. like you have to know, you know who the, the bad, bad guy, guy is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to know. It's well, you. and the thing that scares <laughs> me now is I think today, this day and age, they probably, they probably would win. Right. Like they, HOA has gotten so much power. Yeah. But we won't get into HOAs. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, today was a good episode, though. Yeah, it was really a really good episode. enjoyed having Alan on. Continued um, on in our yeah, history. Hopefully we get some uh, bicyclists, bicyclists who uh, enjoyed <laughs> hearing about this. Right. Maybe be inspired to sure. uh, ride around the perimeter of right. the United States. But, hey, make sure you guys do it safely. Yes. Uh, by being on a bike on a, on a road is no joke sometimes. Wear a helmet. It, Get the reflective thingies, it's, especially it's, if you're going to be driving at night. It's a two-way street. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-way street. Oh, man. You got to remember, as you're driving, you need to look for everybody. Yeah. Uh, just because you have a big, giant, you know, 2,500-pound car doesn't mean that you're, you're, you own the roads. At the same time, uh, you're a bicycle. Mm-hmm. You're tiny. Um, you can't right. just start cutting off garbage trucks. Right. Uh, it's for your safety. Yeah. Like, you know, even if you have the right away, it doesn't it, mean that. Yeah. You, you need should. to double check and make sure that, Hey, cause they might not see you. There's a bunch of machinery that's right. on those things or even, you know, bigger vehicles. Um, and so it's, it's a two way street, making right. sure that everybody's being safe, uh, and make up your mind middle of the road. Or bike lane. Don't go back and forth in between. Right. And same (laughs) to people who are laying out all these streets. Yes. (laughs) Make up your mind. Yes. For reals. (laughs) But on that note. Yes. We'll see you guys next time. And peace be the journey. Con tripping my wagon near and I. Con tripping reading the road signs. Con tripping one playlist at a time. Con tripping odometers ticking my mountain dew. I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing Cause I am gone tripping